As an Alliant Energy representative, I really enjoy helping businesses save. Today, I visited a business that asked for a free energy audit. After walking through their facility, I let the customers know how much money and energy they could be saving. Plus, I gave them an action plan detailing how to improve their energy efficiency. I showed them how they could save even more with rebates from Alliant Energy on equipment upgrades. If you are interested in saving energy and money, schedule a free energy audit at AlliantEnergy.com slash energy audit. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Today, we are touching on the salary cap ramifications of Denver's recent acquisitions, and we're examining just how thin the ice might be for John Elway at Dove Valley. You are listening to the Huddle Up Podcast. Welcome to the Huddle Up Podcast with Chad Jensen, your go-to show for all things Broncos. Welcome in, everybody, to the Huddle Up Podcast presented by Mile High Huddle. I'm your host, Chad Jensen, Scout Media, CBS Sports Digital. And wow, do we have a lot to get to today, including a guest, Mr. Bob Morris of Mile High Huddle, is going to join me a little bit later in the show to break down some of the salary cap ramifications of Denver's trades and, and free agent acquisitions. But first, please understand, the Huddle Up Podcast we're here to give you a deep dive on your favorite team, the Denver Broncos, and we need your help. Make sure you do your duty as a consistent, religious listener of the podcast and rate the show on iTunes. Rate the show on Stitcher or Google Play, however you're listening to the show. And if you have time, take a second, leave a creative review. Absolutely pivotal in helping us grow the Huddle Up podcast and reach new listeners. And it also allows us the opportunity to hear your thoughts your criticisms, whether they be constructive or even destructive. We're okay with that. We want to know. Follow the show on Twitter, at HuddleUpPod, and make sure you find Mile High Huddle on both Facebook and Twitter. Very easy to find. And also, you want to make sure you hit that subscribe button, you guys, because with the NFL draft coming up soon, we are going to have so much Bronco depth to mine, and you are not going to want to miss a single episode. Now, before I dive deep into today's topics of discussion, I want to say thank you to our sponsor, Audible. Listen up, you guys. Get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash huddle up. Over 180,000 different titles to choose from, whether you're on an iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. That's audibletrial.com slash huddle up. And for those of you who've been listening to the show for a long time, you know this. Those of you who are new, this is a an app or a service. It's a product that I use literally every single day. That's one of the reasons I was so excited that Audible was willing to sponsor the Huddle Up podcast because I love it. Because I'm a voracious reader, I love to read, but I get busy with everything I'm juggling. I don't always have time to sit down and turn the pages on the books that I want to read. But what Audible does is it allows me to get those books that I want to read under my belt while I'm multitasking and doing other things, whether I'm driving and commuting or I'm in the gym or I'm in the kitchen or in the yard. 
and it can do the same thing for you. And what's great with this offer that Audible's offering our listeners is you get a free book along with your 30-day free trial. So 180,000 different titles you can choose from. Find the book that's right for you. Obviously, you enjoy the audio medium. That's why you're listening to this podcast, among you know other reasons, like being a huge Broncos fan, a big fan of football. But I promise you, if you give it a try, you're going to love it. AudibleTrial.com slash HuddleUp. Also, great way to support the show by patronizing our sponsors. Keeps the party going, you know what I'm saying? Now, the first thing I want to talk about, and then we're going to get Bob on the show here in just a, a few minutes, is just John Elway and how important the 2018 NFL draft is going to be for the Denver Broncos. And I think it's fair to say that in many ways, John Elway is under the gun. But the question is, how immediate is that pressure? We know that Elway took his time signing an offer on the contract extension the Broncos uh, offered him up. He ended up going on a, an African safari, and he kind of dragged his feet before really putting the old John Hancock on the, on the contract. And I have to ask the question, which is, why? Why did he take his time? What was he uncertain about? What was the issue? Because I doubt money was, was really much of a factor in determining whether or not he kept the job. Could it be that John Elway, who is getting up there in age and has accomplished pretty much everything there is to accomplish as both a, a player and a GM, could he have been uncertain whether he wanted to remain in Denver's front office? Yes, I think so. But I wonder what his biggest motivation to return was and to stay in control of football operations because along with that new contract, of course, came also a new title. He went from being a vice president of football operations to being the president of football operations. And what motivated him besides, you know, football platitudes like, oh, he's the ultimate competitor. He just wants to compete. You know, I think there's more to it. And I honestly think that for John Elway, he's a guy who he's been to the top of the mountain as both a player and a front office guy. He's achieved something very rare in that regard. I think really the only guy you can point to who who's come close to matching that has been Ozzie Newsom as both a Hall of Fame player and a GM in Baltimore. But Elway could not bring himself. Here's, here's the crux. I don't think he could bring himself to literally abandon the Broncos during a period of crisis. He couldn't leave the Broncos in the lurch. So let's call it unfinished business. John Elway has accomplished much for the Broncos. He's delivered time after time for the fans. But if there's one thing he's failed to do, it's set the team up for long-term success long after he's gone. Because even when he signed Peyton Manning, that was a five-year deal. That was a short-term window that at that point was going to basically consume what was left on Elway's initial deal with the Broncos. But still, that was going to be a short-term window in terms of competing for world championships, and that window passed. And now the Broncos are in a state of crisis. So I think one of the things that's really driving him is that he has yet to find that homegrown young franchise quarterback that the Broncos can build around. He thought he had it in Brock Osweiler, and who knows how that story would have turned out for Brock had he not defected and taken the money to go to Houston. There's no telling how much that experience, we can talk about you know, his skill set, Brock Osweiler, and his talent, and his ceiling, and his floor, and all that stuff. But the thing to keep in mind is he went through some turmoil and some major stresses, and when we go through those things, it, cha it can change us. doesn't mean it always does, but it can change us. And in Houston, he butted heads with Bill O'Brien. He went through a lot of turmoil. 
And there's no telling how that affected him, not only his performance as a Texan, but when he ended up back with the Broncos last year, and he faced a very tough stretch and a very tough period as a starter with the Broncos on an immense losing streak. And I do not envy him the task that was given him by Vance Joseph and John Elway, but the Broncos thought they had that guy, that long-term franchise guy in Brock Osweiler. They offered him a lucrative long-term extension, and for reasons we don't necessarily need to go into today, he rebuffed that offer and chose to defect and go to Houston. Well, the Broncos said, all right, back to the well. Elway drafts Paxton Lynch in the first round. Bust. We, I don't want to get into all the different issues that have led to the where we're at today with, with Paxton Lynch, but the bottom line is he had a two-year window. It was mismanaged both by him and the Broncos, frankly. But now the Broncos have such a an urgency to turn the ship around that they just can't, especially holding the fifth overall pick, they cannot roll the dice or pin any hopes or plans on Paxton Lynch. You go back, you look at Trevor Simeon. You know, he was a flyer. He was a late-round flyer. Turned out that he could start some games. He's best suited in the role he's going to have in Minnesota, which is backup. He's a failsafe. He's a stopgap. That's his ceiling. That's where he belongs in the NFL, let's face it. Those of you who are the, who are the Trevor guys, you know, respect, props, whatever, but let's face it. Simeon received the best opportunity any seventh-round quarterback can get to prove that they can be a consistent starter, to prove that they can be the franchise guy. I mean, he had a world championship caliber defense in 2016. Last year, he still had a very, very good defense that led the league uh, against the run for most of the season, and he just couldn't get it done. He had two Pro Bowl caliber wideouts, albeit they were aging a little bit, of course, and thousand-yard rusher, and he just couldn't get it done. He's not that guy. Well, the Broncos took another flyer on a seventh-round guy in Chad Kelly. He's got some immense talent. You guys have heard me talk about uh, my opinion of Chad Kelly and what he could possibly be down the road for the Broncos. But similar to the situation with Paxton Lynch, the Broncos can't pin any of their actual plans on the hope that a late-round flyer guy like Chad Kelly, even as talented as he is, can be that guy. So ask yourselves this. Do you believe that John Elway and Gary Kubiak are under any illusions that Case Keenum is the answer to the existential problem that they face right now in terms of the long-term franchise quarterback? Do you think those two guys, Elway and Kubiak, truly believe Case Keenum is that guy? Because I think they might feel like he has that potential, but they can't be sure. Again, they paid him some money, and we're going to talk more about that with Bob here in a little bit. But they can't pin their hopes on it long term. They just can't. And I like Keenum. You've heard me talk about it both here on the show and in my writings and and videos at Mile High Huddle. And I think Broncos fans are going to be pleasantly surprised by Keenum's contributions and by his ability. He's the best quarterback the Broncos have had since Peyton Manning and before that, probably since Jake Plummer. But is he a franchise guy? He's got one year of excellent production under his belt. And it was a whirlwind season. He capitalized on a rare opportunity to step in on a playoff caliber team and captain the ship, and he kept him afloat. He won a lot of games. He won a playoff game. It might have taken a miracle to get that win, but he still won a playoff game. And so that's all great. You know, Bob Morris, who we're going to talk to later, he wrote a piece just a couple weeks ago right after Keenum was signed. And I've talked about this on the show that – reveals some of his analytics from Pro Football Focus and Football uh, Outsiders 
that reveal a quarterback who was not just top 10, but in several areas, a top five, and in fact, a number one quarterback in 2017. So he has that potential, but there's just not enough of a track record for the Broncos to really pin their hopes on it, right? Otherwise, if the Broncos felt that way, if they didn't believe the jury was still out a little bit on Case Keenum, they would have given him more than a two-year deal, don't you think? I mean, they would have signed him to, the like you saw from Peyton Manning, five-year deal, or like Kirk Cousins, three-year deal. Three to five years, that's, that's a long-term commitment. That's a team saying, look, we believe in you. Not just a two-year offer from John Elway and company. And what that tells me is that the Broncos, when it comes to the NFL draft, they are very much in play and jostling for position to get one of the top four quarterbacks in this class at pick five. That doesn't mean it's going to happen because it remains possible that picks one through four could be all quarterbacks. The top four quarterbacks could be off the board, believe it or not, by the time the Broncos pick at five. Now that would have to mean that Cleveland ends up trading away their fourth pick because they're picking first and fourth to a team like Buffalo, you know, but it's possible. It, it would take a King's ransom to get there, but it's very possible that the Broncos would basically be left with the decision to use that fifth pick on a guy like Lamar Jackson or take their chances later in the draft. And if they're faced with a decision like that, you're going to see him take a blue chip player. If you're Baker Mayfield, you're Josh Rosens, you're Sam Darnold and Josh Allen are all off the board, they're going to have to go with another blue chip and roll the dice on getting another quarterback to come in and compete later on in the draft. And that's why I personally don't get too dug in on the topic of, listen to me, everybody, the Broncos will draft a quarterback at pick five. Do I think the Broncos should draft a QB at pick five? Yes. If the right guy is there, that's the caveat. The right guy has to be there. And my conversation with Nick Kendall last week And, you know, some further rumination on the topic has convinced me of that, that if the right quarterback is there, a quarterback that the Broncos have graded with franchise potential, they got to take him at pick five. But there's no guarantee that that's going to happen. It's a top five pick, and that's great. But with the demand this year and the depth of the quarterback class, and it's a very top-heavy class, it's just shaken out to a real possibility that the Broncos might not actually get a shot at one of the top four, unless they were able to package their own deal to move up to at least four, if not pick two, to really get the guy they have their hearts set on. So again, if that quarterback is there, I don't care which one it is of those top four, including Josh Allen. I've kind of changed my tune on that a little bit over the last couple of weeks. And, you know, I know he's thrown against air and all that at his pro day, but Josh Allen up in Laramie, that pro day was impressive. And it kind of made me reevaluate and go back and watch some of the film. And I think he's a guy that has enough, a high enough of a ceiling and might have the highest ceiling of all the quarterbacks in this class, but it comes with the lowest floor. But that ceiling is so high that I think that the Broncos would be justified in taking him at pick five. I would be a little disappointed if they traded up a ton of capital to get to pick two and, and Josh Allen was the guy. That would disappoint me a little bit, but I would not fault them if they ended up taking Josh Allen at pick five because he's the last guy on the board because he's got some serious potential and with Case Keenum being signed for two years and again we're going to talk more about his deal with Bob here in a few minutes but with Case Keenum there to hold down the fort keep the veterans happy keep the team competitive keep the Broncos in the hunt Allen would have 
or any one of the quarterbacks for that matter, at least the first year to really get up to speed. And especially a guy like Josh Allen and also Sam Darnold, these are two guys that need some further development at the pro level. They need some time with pro quarterbacks, coaches, and offensive coordinators to not only hone their technique, but to understand defenses and film study and speed of the game and everything that comes with the leadership aspects and the charisma and being the face of the franchise, being an NFL guy. So it wouldn't be the worst thing is what I'm telling you. I wrote a piece on this a couple weeks ago. Actually, no, it was last week that, look, there is one scenario that Broncos fans need to prepare themselves for. I'm not saying it's going to happen, but it's possible. And that is that that fifth pick could be on a Josh Allen. Now, I've talked about before, you know, and listen, as a football analyst, I reserve the right to change my opinion on certain issues, especially when the topic has yet to fully resolve itself. I mean, when you're scouting the NFL draft and you're watching film and you're checking out the combine performances and you're watching the pro days and all that, your opinion can change, right? Just like it does for scouts, just like it does for the hardcore draft nicks like Nick Kendall and Carl Dummler and Eric Trickle. And I mean, it can change. I started out with my number one quarterback being Baker Mayfield. Then I kind of got caught up in Nick Kendall's uh, hype, his Rosen-Brosen hype, if you will, on Josh Rosen. But now, after the Case Keenum signing, I've kind of come back to, to Baker Mayfield. All things being equal, if I could say the Broncos are guaranteed to get this guy and I'd be the happiest, it would be Baker Mayfield because he's gonna he's he's a similar quarterback in terms of skill set and size. To Case Keenum, I think he can operate whatever offense the team puts in place for Keenum. I think Baker Mayfield could step in and rather seamlessly operate that offense. I, I think he could operate almost any offense, you know, pro offense, but especially with what the Broncos are going to shape for Case Keenum. So there's a lot of reasons, I think, that if it's the quarterback at pick five in a perfect world, I would want it to be Baker Mayfield, but I would not be disappointed were it Josh Rosen, Sam Darnold, or even Josh Allen at pick five because the Broncos do have a little window and a little fail-safe with Case Keenan being there to, to groom some of these guys. And I think the most pro-ready, it's, it's a consensus to step in and make an impact right away if needed, is Josh Rosen and Baker Mayfield. But if it ends up being one of those other two guys, the Broncos have a plan in place to take care of that. So getting back to John Elway, though, I mean, there's no question that the pressure is on at Dove Valley. And the impetus of that pressure is the 2018 NFL draft. You got three consecutive underwhelming draft classes. 2016 wasn't quite as bad in retrospect, but still, John Elway and the Broncos just cannot afford to have another healthy scratch draft class, as Cecil Lammy dubs it. From the fifth pick through round three, the Broncos have to hit pay dirt. This year, and the pressure's on. Two straight seasons of missing the playoffs. You got a 5'11 finish as the most recent entry on John Elway's front office resume. Joe Ellis, the president of the team, has to hold Elway's feet to the fire here. There has to be accountability. And even if Ellis is reticent to hold Elway accountable, should 2018 be another failure if the 2018 draft is another massive swing and a miss, you can believe that you the fans, Broncos country, and of course Denver media are going to rise to the occasion and hold Elway accountable, right? It's a what-have-you-done-for-me-lately league, let's face it. 
and the latest entry on the resume for Elway has been swinging and missing when it comes to the NFL draft and the 5-11 finish last year and the decision to hire Vance Joseph. And it's great that Elway says publicly that he is not done swinging and missing, but at what point do, do those type of chickens come home to roost, even for an all-time guy like John Elway, a Hall of Fame caliber quarterback and a Hall of Fame caliber GM? So this class, this 2018 draft, man, I mean, this, this is penultimate for the Denver Broncos, and not just for John Elway's future career with the Broncos, but if you want to see a, the way I describe it as a, as a quantum turnaround, it starts with making the right decision at pick five. It has to be a long-term quarterback if the opportunity is there. And if, one of those guys, if all those guys are gone, it has to be a can't-miss prospect. And for me, at pick five, if you get away from the quarterbacks, the can't-miss prospects that could come in and immediately make an impact and help stabilize this team are Saquon Barkley, Bradley Chubb, and as much as it pains me to say it, an offensive guard by the name of Quentin Nelson. Beyond that, I don't think there are, are any guaranteed studs who can come in, can't miss type guys with the fifth overall pick. So that's the good news. If it isn't a quarterback, the Broncos are going to have the pick of the litter of those other three guys, odds are. So Elway's not going to have many excuses to whiff on that fifth pick. And then from there, the Broncos are drafting relatively high in each round, all going all the way, at least for the, the, through the first three rounds. And then they traded, uh, you know, they swapped picks with the Redskins to get Sua Cravens in the fourth and fifth round. And so they still have two rounds, uh, or two picks, excuse me, in the fifth round. But currently, with the trade uh, with for Trevor Simeon and the trade to acquire Jared Veldier, they no longer have a sixth and seventh round draft. But still, they're holding eight picks, all of which are in the first five rounds, including the fifth overall pick. Elway has every opportunity that he needs to bring in some talent who can spark the team right away, right away. Even if it's a quarterback, knowing that Case Keenum is going to be the starter, that quarterback can come in and still serve as a spark to get this team moving again. You know, and then you look at Vance Joseph. We're talking about pressure. I mean, he's perceived around the league as a lame duck head coach. Let's face it, because how many coaches survive a 5-11 and season in their, their first year as a head coach? And they not only survive, but then go on to turn the ship around. I don't have the numbers in front of me. I haven't studied that, but just from my own common knowledge of the NFL, it's not often. I mean, you, you look at what happened with Kirk Cousins, okay? One of the reasons he reportedly wasn't too happy about coming to Denver and why Minnesota was his number one choice was he felt like the coaching situation was unstable, that Vance Joseph was a lame duck. So... Translation is this, if the Broncos do not hit it out of the park in 2018 and at least compete for the AFC West crown, John Elway is going to be under some pressure. And at that point, it's, you know, he's going to have a, a, a carton's worth of egg on his face by that point. If the Broncos end up losing a lot and not missing the playoffs in 2018, that would be three straight years of missing the postseason. It would probably mean another underwhelming draft class. So let's hope that doesn't happen. Let's hope it doesn't happen. I don't think it will. I mean, John Elway has done it before. Should we all forget? His 2011 draft class was great. His 2012 class was great. 2013 was a little bit more hit and miss, but he still found some major contributors to two Super Bowl squads on in that draft. 2014, solid, not great. 
2015 is where things start going off the rails a little bit, with the exception of Shane Ray, who's also a guy with the jury still out. The 2015 class has been extremely underwhelming. 2016, following that first year, it looked like 2016 was going to be another uh, you know bomb, but after their second year in the league, so following last year, following 2017, we saw guys like Adam Gotsis make heavy contributions, although his future's in doubt, but that's not because of anything the Broncos did wrong. Adam Gotsis looks like if he can you know, work out whatever's going on off the field, depending on the veracity of the claims and all that, I don't want to get into the rape charges that Adam Gotsis is facing right now in Georgia, but if he can weather that storm and, and that, you know, get through it, he has a very promising career in front of him as a Bronco. Justin Simmons has established himself firmly as a an above average. He's a stud. Is he? This is kind of the way Nick explained it last week, and I or actually earlier this week, and I thought it was it was right on. He might not be elite yet, Justin Simmons, but he's a he's a stud as he is right now, and has the potential to be an elite caliber player. And so you go beyond him, and in the fourth round, the Broncos got Devonte Booker. And even though he hasn't been a home run, he led the league, or excuse me, led the team in rushing as a rookie, overcome some injury issues both years, but he's been solid. As a fourth round pick, you know, he's been solid for the Broncos. You get into the fifth round with Connor McGovern. You know, he didn't have much of an impact as a rookie. He didn't even play as a rookie. But last year, when the Broncos needed him, he stepped in late in the season and provided some solid performance at right guard when Ronald Leary got hurt. And I think he can factor into the starting five equation in 2018 and maybe even, at the very least, serve as an excellent swing guard or replacement to Matt Paradis if the Broncos lose Paradis. If Paradis gets too expensive after 2018, you got Connor McGovern to step in there. So that's been a good pick as well. Then you get to the sixth round with Will Parks. He's been about what you would expect from a sixth-round pick, I think, a safety out of Arizona. He's going to have a you know, tall task in front of him with Sua Cravens coming in, even making this roster in 2018. But as a six-round pick, he's made his contributions, and I don't think he was a miss by any means, especially that late. And then in the seventh round, the Broncos got themselves Riley Dixon, who as a rookie, as a rookie punter, was record-setting, kind of took a step back along with all of the special 2017 under Brock Olivo, who's gone now. But... I think you're going to see, you know, the Broncos will bring in guys to compete with with Dixon. I think you'll see Dixon step it up, especially under especially under the new special teams coach, and get back to a more respectable level. So 2016, in retrospect, with two years under our belt, being able to analyze it, was probably the best. 2017, apart from Garrett Bowles, the Broncos got next to no production from their rookie class, and a lot of it was the team's own fault because you had two guys who were after him and Jake Butt and Chad Kelly, that they were going to be scratches, odds off, and that's how, exactly how it turned out. And then they had two other guys who were mismanaged as rookies and not given the playing time or put in the position to succeed that they should have. Demarcus Walker, your second-round pick, your second-round pick, who should have been, if not starting, playing consistent snaps at his position of strength all season long. But instead, they stand him up at outside linebacker. He gets lost in the shuffle. And then finally, by season's end, they go, well, we got nothing left to play for. Let's put him in at three-tech and see what he can do. Turns out he can create some pressure from the interior, and he can make some plays behind the line of scrimmage. So that's another mystifying thing, how the Broncos have managed these players. And I wrote about this at milehighhuddle.com. Their young draft picks the last three years, it's just been mystifying how they've managed this in terms of developing them, right? And then D'Angelo Henderson, 
who has a sensational preseason, healthy scratch all year long until finally, and the season is over basically, they've been eliminated from the playoffs for a couple weeks. Well, let's give him some snaps and some real reps in week 17 at home against the Chiefs. What does he do? He gets six touches, gets 44 yards, he gets a touchdown on a 29-yard screen. That's the type of explosive playmaking ability that offense lacked all 2017. And who's, you know, I'm not saying necessarily that D'Angelo Henderson would have been the answer, but they could have used that type of playmaking ability week in and week out, not just week 17 when the season was over. So you understand how it's just inexplicable how the Broncos have managed this situation. And the onus is on Vance Joseph and his staff, and now he's got his guys in here to turn the ship around at the coaching level, at the teaching level, and at the leadership level. And now it's also on John Elway to restock the cupboard and really maximize and make the most out of this rare opportunity to pick in the top five and to pick high in each round of the 2018 NFL Draft. So let's just hope that a year from now there's not going to be any more egg on his face. Get rid of Paxton Lynch. Deal him in a draft day trade. I don't care. Get rid of him. You need to clean the deck just like you did with Trevor Simeon. Simeon and Lynch need to be gone. There needs to be a quarterback at five, brought in, compete with Chad Kelly, let Case Keenan be the guy at least in 2018, and go from there. That's the best-case scenario along with some good picks in the second and third round. Do the best you can in the fourth and fifth, of course. I always, always had good success traditionally, rounds four through seven, and finding guys who are diamonds in the rough caliber players. But those rounds one through three, you get the quarterback in round one. Rounds two and three, you get guys who can come in and immediately contribute. It can have a massive effect on this team in 2018 because Alex Smith is gone. And I'm telling you right now, the AFC West is wide open. You might have Chucky back in Oakland. I remain dubious that he's going to come in and have any kind of immediate spark in, in Oakland. Derek Carr, you know, he's he's a... He's an upper tier. I wouldn't say he's top tier quarterback in the NFL, but he's made two Pro Bowls in his career, in his young career. And if I had to pick a favorite, well, I wouldn't pick Oakland. I'd pick the Chargers right now to be the favorite to win the AFC West because they have drafted well over the last several years. Phillip Rivers is still Phillip Rivers. And their head coach they, they, they hired last year, Anthony Lynn, he's turned the ship around. He's got that team playing smash mouth, physical, passionate football. And when you have a veteran like, I mean, the last man standing in terms of the quarterbacks in the AFC West, the guys who were competing for titles over the last several years, Peyton Manning's gone, Alex Smith is gone, Derek Carr emerged, faded away, and he's kind of emerged again, he's healthy again, and then you got Phillip Rivers. And so I think the Chargers are going to be that team to knock off the perch in 2018, but that doesn't mean it can't be done. They're not, you know, they're not some impenetrable fortress, some giant some Goliath that's impossible to take down. I mean, they didn't even make the playoffs last year, right? So you get the the draft right. You made some solid moves in, in free agency and trade. You get the draft right. You set your team up long-term with a quarterback at pick five. The Broncos very easily could compete for an AFC West crown, which gets them in the dance. You win the AFC West, automatic entry into the playoffs. So that's priority number one in terms of the 2018 big picture, but first things first, you got to knock it out of the park with the NFL draft. All right, now we're going to get Bob on here in just a minute, but first, I want to holler at you about why you need to become a Mile High Huddle VIP subscriber and why now is the time to pull the trigger. We have a phenomenal opportunity for you to get your foot in the door 
at Mile High Huddle. Right now, we are giving you your first month of MHH Premium for one American penny. And after that, you can either pay 5 bucks per month when you first sign up, just do monthly, or you can choose the annual option, which is 49 bucks for the year. And then you'll, just, you'll get your first month for a penny, no matter which option you choose. And you want to capitalize now, not only because of the, the, the cost for the first month just being a penny, but I'm going to let you in on a little secret. The cost for membership is probably going to be going up here in the very near future. So now's the time to get in, get your rate locked in. And, you know, listen, our approach, you know this, with Mile High Huddle. It's covering the Broncos, but not just about reporting the news, because everyone does that. Most of our competition, most of the sites, bless their hearts, they stick to the newswire because that's what gets the clicks. What we focus on is breaking down the Broncos in depth, whether it's all 22 film reviews like Nick Kendall dropped this week on the new right tackle, Jared Veldier, some X's and O's breaking down uh, Case Keenum, some deep dive player evaluation like Eric and the guys are doing, especially heading into the draft season with finding Broncos, free agency analysis. After the draft, we're going to be doing all kinds of deep dive film reviews on the draft class, and we save our best and most in-depth content for our VIP subscribers, our premium members. Now, to become a Mile High Huddle VIP and get access to 100% of our written analysis, again, just click on the green banner at the top of the website, click the monthly or annual option you, you choose, you'll get your first month for a penny, and you'll be locked in. From there, you get access to everything we produce, which includes any inside info that we pick up along the way, including what we learn about Denver's intentions in the draft. We told our VIP subscribers that the Sua Cravens deal wasn't dead, despite what Jay Gruden was saying publicly. We reported to our subscribers that Denver was working on re-signing Billy Turner, and they did. We reported to our VIP subscribers that the Broncos were trying to get Juwan James long before it became common knowledge. We reported the Aqib Tlaib trade news and the buzz there, Trevor Simeon. Before it ever became common knowledge, the list goes on. And it might not be earth-shattering stuff, but we do pick up some inside info, especially this time of year. And we work hard to bring you the best Broncos coverage and analysis on the web, and we ask for your support by becoming a VIP subscriber. Now's the time. Get Pennywise, you guys, with this offer for your first month. Pull the trigger. You have my word. You won't be disappointed. All right, now let me introduce my guest for today's show. Most of you know him, of course, as a contributor to Mile High Huddle. He's a cap wizard of sorts. He's a fine football analyst. His name is Mr. Bob Morris. Now, we had some connection issues with Bob. We were using Google Hangout to uh, facilitate this podcast, and the original plan was to have him on the show for the entire episode, but when we realized how, uh, how compromised some of the quality was in his connection, we decided to just have him talk about the salary cap issues, and then we'll figure out the issues later and get him back on the show another time. But uh, So bear with us. Uh, I'm going to edit this in a way that is as clean as it can possibly be, but Bob had some amazing analysis. So I'm going to go ahead and just cut right to my conversation with Bob Morris. Here we go. So the first thing, that since we have Bob here on the show with us today, I want to just touch on some of the bigger moves, of course, that the Broncos have made, whether it's through free agency or the trade block, and just kind of the salary cap ramifications of these deals. Now, obviously the first deal that hit the newswire that, you know, it's really the deal that John always hung his hat on up to this point is signing quarterback Case Keenum, the veteran, to a two-year deal worth $36 million. Now, Bob, reading between the lines for you, it's two years, it's $36 million, I think whatever it was, $25 million guaranteed, something like that. How do you 
interpret Keenum's deal? What does it mean to you? Of course, as they said, two years, $36 million from, but from a practical standpoint, it's two years, $25 million. But even then, there's, there's nothing that says that uh, the Broncos would be on the hook here no matter what happens. Let's just say – let's say Case Keenum has a good 2018 season, but it's not a, a great one. And the Broncos draft a quarterback early, and they're thinking, we'd like to start the player we drafted next year. They can trade Case Keenum, and they would not be on the hook for the $7 million that's fully guaranteed next year or the remaining $11 million. That team would take that on, and they would gain $18 million in cap space from that with just a $3 million dead money charge. And again, that comes from the the signing bonus was $6 million, so that's where the $3 million dead money charge comes in next year because they prorate the signing bonus over the life of the contract. But if they decide to if they decide just to cut him then it would be 11 million dollars freed with uh, the 10 million dollars in dead money but there would be uh, that 7 million dollars next year has offset clauses mm. so if a team signs him for say 1 million dollars then that's 1 million less the broncos are on the hook for 1 million dollars less in cap space but another alternative could be if if they think he played well enough to be, you know, the backup next year, they can come to him and they can ask him, would you convert that $11 million into incentives mm. and see if, and if he's willing to do that, they'd only have, they'd only have $7 million and any incentives earned would go to the 2020 cap. But to, to, to make a long story short, this is really effectively $25 million unless they trade him, Next year, and another team signs them up to a certain amount. That's that's the effectively what the contract is. So it protects the team uh, in the short term. I mean, it's a short term deal. It's two years. It's it's thirty six million in total value. But translation, what Bob's really saying is that the Broncos are really only on the hook for twenty five million. And after year one, they can kind of reevaluate depending on how the season goes, depending on any potential rookie they bring in. Um, how that picture resolves itself, which is, I think, important for fans to understand. Some of those who are maybe knee-jerking a little bit over, you know, a journeyman like Case Keenum getting 36 million bucks over two years, it's important to understand how the Broncos structured that. And Mike Sullivan, I'm sure, the cap guru, played a big role in, in helping to lay that out in a way that not only made Keenum happy and incentivized him, but protects the team. Now, the other move early on the Broncos made in free agency, Bob, is, of course, signing the uh, – well, he's a veteran himself as, uh, or a uh, journeyman himself in Tremaine Brock, the cornerback. Now, we didn't find out out of the gates exactly what the uh, value of the deal was. We knew it was one year. But it turns out that he's he's going to make about $4 bucks. And what we're hearing over the last week – now, this shouldn't be much of a surprise because you know that Brock uh, is coming in to – compete and probably play some significant starter snaps in the nickel and dime sub packages. But we're hearing that Brock is actually, Bob, going to be competing for starter snaps with Bradley Roby. Now, I've received a lot of questions on this topic. I've touched on them on Twitter and another, you know, on milehighhuddle.com. But let me ask you this, Bob, in your mind, do you think a guy who helped the Denver Broncos win a world championship, he's just entering the very beginning of his prime, should Bradley Roby 
have to, in that kind of a way, defend? I mean, every every starter has to earn their starting job. That's not what I'm saying. But do you think he Roby should be placed in a situation where he's literally having to compete for a starting job with a guy like Tremaine Brock? The way I look at it is that they're is that they're saying Tremaine Brock can contribute. You know, in a I think there's telling Bradley, you know, we it's not believe in Roby is that they're kind of giving Roby kind of a little incentive to go out there and say, if you want to show that you can be our life, show us. So, and with the Tremaine Brock, his deal, of course, it's a one-year deal. It's up to $4 million, actually. It's a $3 million deal that is the Broncos are on the hook for, okay. and the remaining $1 million comes in incentives. Hmm. So... The difference, of course, so, but I think what they're looking at with Roby is he's on the uh, fifth year option, of course, of his fifth year option, excuse me, uh, first round pick five million. What they're trying to get Roby to do is show that you can be, try to incentivize him to show he can be the long term guy and that he's worth an extension. And at the same time, I think what they're looking at with Tremaine Brock is. This is essentially a one-year prove-it deal for him. It's the same way they handled Tracy Porter and Dominique Rogers-Cromartie right. in past years. Right. And so if if Brock can show the long-term player, Bradley Roby, that gives the Broncos some options where they could decide, you know, let's keep Bradley Roby, the Tremaine Brock, and then they might make a decision on Chris Harris. Now, I know that might raise some eyebrows from some Bronco fans, but that's always a possibility. That especially because next season with Chris Harris, they can get out if they wanted to, where he'd only is if they released him, it'd only be uh, a the dead money charge is less than a million dollars next year. So mm. now that doesn't mean that they will look with Chris Harris next year, but they're looking at they now have options. They can see how Harris, Roby, and Brock all performed this year and decide, do we want to extend Roby and Brock? Do we think they're both extending? We're able to – maybe they're able to trade Chris Harris. Or right. this could be a situation – it might be the best case scenario where they think they can extend and they can keep Brock at, say uh, – Salary, but give him give him a little more money than where, and then they might have a uh, their uh, their new vert. I guess you call it the new version of the no fly zone. Of course, that's uh, <laughs> that the safeties are also included in there. But that basically gives the Broncos a lot of options. And again, I think by saying Brock and Roby are going to compete for those, trying to give incentive to both players to show we think one of you could be right. So show us, and we'll see how that develops. Excellent. Yeah, I mean, that it definitely makes sense, and I don't think Broncos fans should get too alarmed about the future with Chris Harris, but, you know, it's worth mentioning that although he was far from, you know, the biggest contributor to some of Denver's woes last year, Chris Harris Jr. wasn't in the same form that he was in, let's say, the, the previous three years uh, before 2017, and you never know how players, how quickly they're going to decline, and it will be interesting, Bob, I think, 
to see how Chris Harris performs without Aqib Talib on the other side. And hopefully, you know, the the synergy and the and the chemistry that he has and that shared experience with Bradley Roby should make a big difference. And I, I would assume that it's going to be rather seamless. But without Talib there, it is a situation to monitor with Chris Harris Jr. And as you point out, beyond 2018, you look at 2019 – million bucks in dead money if the Broncos needed to to move beyond uh, Chris Harris. So just a, just a situation to keep an eye on. And with Tremaine Brock, again, really it sounds like what you're saying, Bob, is that the Broncos are just hedging their bets, throwing them in there for competition, and prove it. Prove that you're worth a long-term deal. And Bradley Roby, prove that you deserve to have that long-term extension after this fifth-year option deal. Exactly. I couldn't really say it any better myself. The whole <laughs> thing is he got – you know, we know the type of player Chris Harris is. He's a very competitive player. He has he plays with a chip on his shoulder, and if we're being honest, he is probably remains the most underrated cornerback. He's got a lot of incentive to prove. He just, but I think Bradley Roby. You know, you hear some people they kind of uh, they're kind of not sure if he can handle a bigger role, a bigger role. Right. And I think he's going to come in with that chip on his shoulder as well. And I tend to think, you know, Tremaine Brock, of course, we know that he had some off-field issues that led to the 49ers uh, letting him go before he finished off, finished out uh, that rookie contract he was under. but And then didn't get a whole lot of playing time last year with Minnesota because they had so many talented players in the secondary that he may be coming in with a chip on his shoulder too. And I think in the long run, you get three guys that are very competitive and want to and feel they all have something to prove. That can only be a good thing for the Broncos. Absolutely. Now, listeners, uh, just a quick side note. Bear with us. Uh, when we do these podcasts, oftentimes we use something like Google Hangout or Skype to get our, our guest hosts or our guests on the show. And in this case, of course, uh, with Bob, we are probably separated by at least eight or 900 miles, something like that from his location to my location. And sometimes internet can play a role in that. Sometimes it might be on a satellite connection. And and uh, we do the best we can to give you the highest quality audio. But some every once in a while, you know, we have a little hiccup. So bear with us. Uh, we understand the connection is not the greatest, but you're getting some great information from Bob. And, of course, we appreciate you, Bob, joining the show. Um, real quick, let's talk about the two trades. Of course, the first one was Jared Veldier. Uh, coming over from the Arizona Cardinals, sixth-round pick the Denver Broncos gave up. Now, we knew that John Elway was hot on the trail of finding a solution for the right tackle woes. They kicked the tires. They had a couple. They had a deal on the table in Miami for Juwan James, and at the last penultimate moment, the Dolphins chose to uh, stand pat and not make that trade. And so John Elway and company went looking elsewhere, and that solution was Jared Veldier. Now, Six-round pick is what they gave up. He comes in, Veldier, with a cap hit of just under $7 million for 2018. And it's just 2018 is, the, is all that he has left on the deal he signed with Arizona. So the Broncos get him for a year. But in your mind, have they found the solution to their right tackle issues? I mean, even if it's short-term. And do you feel like the Broncos got good value in terms of the trade capital given up to acquire him? Well, first of all, Reed, uh, well, this and now I guess we're going to get into a blatant plug here. But uh, for VIP members who read what uh, Nick Kendall did in reviewing uh, Jared Veldheer's uh, play, what's encouraging. 
encouraging about last of course we'll start with what's the caveat is that Veltier's season did end with an ankle injury that is certainly a concern but what while Veltier did struggle early in the 2017 season when they made the switch to right tackle the good thing was he got better as the season went on so he should now have comfortable now now playing on the right side. In addition to that, he gives the Broncos another veteran presence at the line. Last year, the only player who had a lot of veteran, a lot of experience was uh, Ronald Leary. Menelik Watson, of course, they signed him, but Watson's biggest issue was he did not get a lot of snaps. Veltier, he has gotten quite a few snaps. He's got a number of years under his belt, and unlike. Uh, Alan Barber, who they traded for last year. Veldheer has a lot of starts and has mostly played left tackle, but he has an experience moving to right tackle. I think he'll be an upgrade over Watson for sure, and I think he's going to be a better player to, to serve as the bridge right tackle to whoever they get in the uh, the draft this year, and I believe they will try to find a, a right tackle attack and develop behind Veldier for a year in hopes that he can take over and start next year. As far as the pick they gave up, they gave up a six-round pick, and those are picks you mostly are expecting to use on depth players. You know, once in a while, you'll find – we know the Broncos have a good history of into impact players, but with six-round picks, impact players are the exception, not the rule. So I, I'm cautiously optimistic here. And I think at the very going to be an upgrade over guys like Menelik Watson and Donald Stevenson, where the deals were the Broncos to a fair amount, a, a good amount of money, have sample size of start under their belts, which was not the case with a lot of starting experience. Watson and Stevenson, they didn't have that. So this gives you somebody who's started more games and should give you that experience that they need at that position. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I think it's an extremely great uh, trade in terms of value and the type of return ceiling that the Broncos could get giving up that six round pick. And even if Veldier only ends up playing out that one year with the Broncos, kind of like that mercenary role, it was a different scenario, but like with Evan Mathis, we've seen it pay dividends in the past for the Broncos, even if it's a short-term uh, Band-Aid type of solution over a bullet hole type of wound. I think Veld here, for, in exchange for a six-round pick, can come in and immediately solidify that, that position for the Broncos, even if it is just in the short term. Now, the other trade, and of course the most recent, the Denver Broncos swapped fourth and fifth round picks in the 2018 draft, plus gave up a 2018 fifth rounder and and a compensatory pick in the future. I think, if I recall right, something like a six-round, or not compensatory, a conditional, excuse me, six-round pick in either next year or the year after's draft if he plays in a playoff game. But I'll, I'll maybe let you explain that, what you might know about that. But it was a trade with the, the Redskins to acquire the safety hybrid linebacker safety guy, Sua Cravens. Now, 
We know, of course, that Cravens was a 2016 second-round pick of Washington's out of USC, had some concussion issues, some injuries, caused him to question his uh, career as a pro football player. He retired ever so briefly, but then had some kind of a change of heart and uh, wants to play football, and the Broncos really like him. Obviously, they they uh, were turned down initially by the Redskins in their uh, efforts to acquire Sua Cravens, but they kept knocking on that door. And eventually, they got the trade. They got it done. Sua Cravens is coming in. And listen, if his head, I think his cap hits just over a million bucks. And if his head and his heart are still committed to football, I mean, Bob, considering what the Broncos gave up, in your mind, do you feel like the Cravens deal was a good one for Denver? Well, I'm very happy with this deal. I like this one. For the end of the cap hit, the the cap hit's only going to be this out to six. $160,000. So, and that's because the signing bonus that he got when he signed his rookie deal with Washington, Washington takes the hit, the debt, the hit for the, for that uh, prorated signing bonus. The Broncos only take his base salary this year. And again, that's about $660,000. I'd have to look up the exact terms of the deal, but it's a very low risk, high reward deal they got in terms of the money they'd have to commit to him because it's still basically the three remaining years on his rookie contract. And second of all, you know, you if anybody's followed him, Cravens on Twitter, you can tell he's he's excited. This is it just it's just amazing because it seems to me this is somebody who, you know, my understanding was he wanted out of Washington. Uh, as I understand it, there was a uh, let's just say my understanding with the uh, sewer Cravens is that he wasn't happy with the way things were going in Washington and he just wanted out of there. And with the way his, with his excitement about with the Denver Broncos and I know the Broncos said they were interested in Cravens when he was in the uh, 2016 draft. Of course, uh, obviously they didn't get him. They were uh, drafting uh, late in the rounds so they didn't have a chance to go get him. That accord, but right. long story short, it sure looks like that this is somebody who wants to be a Denver Bronco and who's excited about being here. So I think that's that's a good thing when you have somebody who's just excited about coming in and wanting to be part of this franchise. You know, that should get every Bronco fan excited. And the other thing I like about this trade, we know that the Broncos. The biggest issue, it seems, every year, defense was the dominant defense of 2015. And even then, it was seen to kind of was the elephant in the room with that defense was the inability to cover the tight end. They've got a player now who can cover the tight end. And if Cravens is healthy, and it certainly looks like he is healthy, it He's definitely motivated. I think we're going to – we might just have the player who's going to fill that need, that probably the most glaring need on the defense. And if he can go in there and, you know, do a job of just, you know, just containing a guy like Travis Kelsey with somebody like him, you're probably not going to shut him down. Right. But if you can contain him and then make sure that uh, – Lower tier tight ends aren't scoring touchdowns and getting big catches all the time. <laughs> a lot for the defense. Right. Absolutely. I think it's uh, definitely 
a win for the Denver Broncos <clears throat> getting Sue Cravens, and especially if he can if he can build on the promise that he showed as a as a rookie, uh, and of course before he got hurt. And the promise that he had going into the 2016 draft, the Broncos just got him a steal. I mean, he's basically a T.J. Ward caliber safety that has higher upside, as Bob mentioned there, in terms of being able to match up with these athletic pass-catching tight ends and also cover running backs out of the backfield, which for the last several years, basically ever since the Broncos switched to a 3-4 system, has kind of been their Achilles heel in terms of scheme and X's and O's. So, Great, great trade for the Broncos. Let's just hope his head and his heart still remain committed to football. On that topic, the Broncos are confident, but only time will tell. Great conversation, great analysis, great information. Corrected me on a couple of issues there, did Bob. Love what his contributions are to Mile High Huddle, and it's my plan on getting Bob a little bit more involved in the podcast moving forward as often as he can. He's a busy guy, too, and he's got a lot cooking, but he's working on something for the draft that you're going to want to keep an eye on, a way of scoring, a way of judging and grading Denver's draft picks in 2018, looking at it through more of a long-term lens, and I'll, I'll save it for him Uh, when he actually publishes the piece, but keep an eye out for that in the very near future. But that's it for today, you guys. You can find me on Twitter, at Chad and Jensen. Again, big thanks to Bob for joining the show. Follow him on Twitter, at Bob Morris Sports, at Bob Morris Sports. A phenomenal football mind. We're lucky to have him at Mile High Huddle. If you have questions, hit me up on Twitter. I'm always going to try to address them on the show. Best way to get a direct response from me and the staff is to hit us up on the MHH Insiders Premium message board, but we're always going to engage with you, our listeners, as often as we can, whether it's social media, YouTube comments, on the site, etc. But make sure you're subscribing, y'all. For Bob Morris, I'm Chad Jensen. We'll talk to you soon. Mile High Huddle.